You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You might know Puerto Rico as an island rich in culture and natural beauty. It's a world-famous vacation destination. And it's also a tax break destination for businesses. And now, folks interested in all things crypto have been flocking to the island. But not everyone's a fan of these so-called crypto colonizers. Natasha Tiku from The Washington Post is here to explain. In 2018, at this place called the Monastery, which was purchased by maybe the most infamous crypto investor who moved down to Puerto Rico, Brock Pierce. I think that Puerto Rico is that perfect situation where amazing things can happen. It's in these moments of where we experience our greatest loss that we have our biggest opportunity to, to sort of restart and upgrade. And number of Burning Man aficionados that came with him and them plotting to build a crypto paradise in the wake of Hurricane Maria on the island while people were still struggling to get power back and access to water and um, cell phone service, etc. The winds are ferocious right now, gusting above 120 miles per hour, severing the tops of the palm trees and ripping off the boarding that's on buildings. There's a high rise about 100 yards behind me, and it's continually tearing pieces of the building away, and they're flying through the air like projectiles. In particular, Brock Pierce and his group, as he told me, they had been looking for a place. He said he was practicing moving large groups of people to different areas. He is a Burning Man maximalist, and this ties into his ethos about community and, I think, world building in a way. And Puerto Rico, in order to access those tax breaks that I write about in the piece, all you have to do is live there for six months out of the year, and you can retain your U.S. passport. So you have the beautiful weather, wonderful culture, amazing food, you know, direct flight from New York, and you get to stay a U.S. citizen. Could you tell us a little bit more about those tax breaks and how they came about? Puerto Rico had been relying on, it's actually one of the first places to experiment with special economic zones, which we've seen, you know, prop up entire countries and ecosystems like in Singapore or Hong Kong. And when Puerto Rico started doing that, they were much more focused on pulling industries. So first manufacturing, then big pharma. But in 2012, after a response to a much more stagnant economy, they decided to institute tax breaks that targeted individuals. So in particular, there's one called an individual investor tax incentive, a tax decree that allows you to pay 0% tax on capital gains. So that's investments and dividends. That's a massive tax break compared to what you would pay in, you know, in the mainland, in any other state in the U.S. And what's more, because Puerto Rico is a commonwealth and a territory, you don't have to pay federal income taxes if you're a resident there as well. So do you have an idea of how many people have moved to Puerto Rico to take advantage of these tax breaks or more specifically for crypto? 
I don't have an exact number for crypto, but yeah, it's only actually been a few thousand people since the tax breaks were instituted in 2012. Along with the individual investors tax break, there was also a tax break for export services. So say you were a hedge fund manager and you move your hedge fund there, you only have to pay 4% tax for your businesses. So altogether, I'd say less than 5,000 people. And how has this affected the island? Right. So at the same time that you have people choosing to move to Puerto Rico to access these incentives, which come with very few requirements. Now you have to buy a house and you have to donate $10,000 to charity, but those requirements weren't initially there. Sometimes the specifics are changed from year to year, but this is happening in Puerto Rico where so many people have had family members had to leave. There was a mass exodus after Hurricane Maria in order to find jobs where they can, you know, make a sustainable living. And so you have these people from the mainland with excess capital coming in and they've driven up real estate prices all around the island, but in particular in enclaves like Dorado Beach, where they have this Ritz-Carlton reserve. That's where Logan Paul lives. That's where Brock Pierce lives. That's where a number of the hedge fund managers live. There's also hotspots in Rincon, in parts of San Juan, Condado, and it's moving into some of the other smaller neighborhoods as well, the rising real estate prices. In your piece, you use this term crypto colonizer, which I feel like is very descriptive. And it sounds like these folks that are moving to the island for for crypto also have sort of a utopian worldview or, or in doing so. Do they think that they're helping the island or are they really just focused on themselves? They very much think that they are helping the island. I, I didn't speak to anyone who thought that they were having a negative effect. In some cases, they're looking at the exact same numbers and coming up with the conclusion that they are helping. They've added 4,400 jobs to the local economy. They say that they are providing work for all of the service jobs for people that cater to them. And they think that they are bringing their expertise in business and especially to an economy that's lagging. So maybe not all of them would agree that they're utopians, but certainly all of them think they're helping, at least everyone that I spoke to. What has been the Puerto Rican government's response to all this? You know, this debate around crypto is happening in the middle of a perhaps the strongest pushback yet against these tax incentives. And I should clarify, too, that it's not just the crypto people. The other investors who took advantage of this tax break come from hedge funds, day traders, equity traders. So there are people who are not starting a factory where a lot of people can get jobs or a manufacturing plant or even a business that that employs dozens and dozens of people. So the pushback is against the rising real estate costs and the idea that these tax breaks do not apply to a lot of Puerto Ricans. You can't have lived on the island for 15 years prior to when the tax breaks were instituted in order to access them. So especially for a commonwealth, it brings up a lot of concern about inequities. And Logan Paul's very public move to Puerto Rico ended up coinciding with some efforts by the leftist party to repeal those tax reforms. So there's this amazing TikTok account by this Puerto Rican journalist where she documents some of her own struggles. Today I found out that the land behind my house, the one that you see in my videos all the time, where the horses that I give water to live, 
the land that gives me access to the beach, that land is being sold to a company that develops luxury apartments. So I'm making this video not as a reporter, but as a Puerto Rican who's sad and scared that Puerto Rico is becoming a place where only the wealthy have access to our most beautiful natural resources. So the pushback against the crypto boom and what it means for Puerto Rico is coinciding with the pushback against these tax incentives. But what about the locals who have actually gotten involved with crypto in Puerto Rico? What do they think about this idea that there's a gold rush or do they actually feel like they're building a new kind of decentralized Internet? So what's really interesting here is that there is so much organic interest in crypto right now in Puerto Rico. And that's been happening, you know, since the pandemic. I talked to a lot of young developers who are working on their own startups and really discovered blockchain and crypto on their own, you know, without help or involvement from the crypto transplants. And, you know, they tried to build a community and orchestrate hackathons when the first wave of crypto people came in. But during the bust in 2018, a lot of that interest and attention dried up. So they found that it was really hard to get their friends interested, to get their family interested. There was a lot of pushback against being involved in this at all. And then, you know, over the past year or so, there's been a massive surge of interest in NFTs and especially in Puerto Rico, where there's a really lively art scene and, you know, there's a ton of artists and musicians and people are saying that you can make money off of your art through minting NFTs. There's just been a lot of interest from young people in that as well as just crypto trading. So I don't think that the more recent wave of crypto investors who came would be able to rebrand themselves as inclusive as doing something good for the island if it weren't for this organic interest. You have a bunch of young aspiring people who want to be able to make money, support themselves and their families through crypto. You know, you're able then to kind of distance yourself from that initial much more libertarian tinged pitch about, you know, treating Puerto Rico like a blank slate where they can, you know, build their crypto utopia. So it kind of sounds like there are two movements moving either parallel to each other or sometimes intersecting the organic crypto movement in Puerto Rico and the more utopian movement of mainlanders moving to the island. Looking toward the future, how do you see all this playing out in Puerto Rico? There is a proposal to amend the acts to require that investors who come there invest a million dollars on the island and also to employ more people. So I do foresee the government instituting more checks and balances on these on these individual investors who come there. That said, they have been pretty savvy about like starting their own organizations in some cases and investing then like it ends up kind of staying all in the family because you're giving to your blockchain association rather than one created by people who were born and raised there. But I do see that kind of putting some much needed spotlight and scrutiny on these investors and what they're actually contributing. I see a lot of the young developers that I talk to, you know, potentially just being able to build their own thing. I mean, one of the reasons they said they've been willing to come to the events put on by Act 22 beneficiaries and participate in the ecosystem is because they have their own thing. If another crypto winter came and all these people left, they would still be working on this. And it's really hard to say, though, given the number of like ordinary folks who are now buying Ether, <laughs> the currency of the Ethereum blockchain, 
you know, buying Solana, buying Cardano, all, all of that stuff. Like if another crypto winter happens, what happens to those people who watch Instagram accounts like Latino Wall Street, where they have Instagram influencers talking about how to get started in this stuff. I, I know I spoke to one, Julio Dominic, and he said he really advises the people who take his class only to spend money that they can afford losing. But, you know, when you see people making money. I talked to this one taxi driver, Jose Santana Torres, and he just believes that all cryptocurrencies will always eventually go up, whereas the value of the U.S. dollar can potentially go down. You know, he understands like there's market fluctuations, but he just believes. I mean, I think there's a lot of like faith and fundamentalism around crypto right now that you could see taking place in Puerto Rico as well. So it does seem like there's some tension between the hope for the future of crypto and the reality of of crypto. Do you think that this tension in Puerto Rico tells us anything about the the future of crypto in the U.S. or the rest of the world? Yes, certainly. And and that's why we were interested in in doing the story. I think it's a very important place to watch because you are seeing that same rebranding that Silicon Valley is, is pushing right now a rebranding crypto and its more libertarian roots as a tool to kind of circumvent government influence, being rebranded as Web3, an empowering technology that's supposed to help free us from big tech and change the kind of the the perverse incentives of a lot of the platforms that we find ourselves trapped in. And I would say that what's happening in Puerto Rico right now also mirrors some of the same tensions we're seeing here, where a lot of the proponents of Web3 are young people who, you know, really want to find an alternative way of building and doing things from the status quo. And yet you have, you know, the the people who have made a lot of money from Web3 so far are also kind of invested in the status quo, in keeping things the way they are. So I think that we'll see, you know, whether or not some of the promises around wealth distribution and having infinite seats at the table, you know, whether this technology, blockchain technology or Web3, however it's defined, will actually lead to whether it will be as emancipatory as people say. I think it's really interesting also because it's not like New York or Miami or El Salvador where you see like the mayors or Bukele just kind of hustle broing out in their tweets, you know, talking about buying the dip and like, I want to get paid in Bitcoin. You can see the reservation from the politicians in Puerto Rico. And I, I wonder also like how, how that will work, like how trying to figure out what kind of position regulators here are going to take on crypto as well. Natasha, thanks for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. This episode was produced by Victoria Dominguez and engineered by Christian Ayala. I'm Adam Clark Estes. We'll see you next week.